Welcome to the May 16th edition of the PFF Forecast. We have a great show. We're going to start with a crucial conversation. Actually, we just had an argument before we started filming. We might start with that. Who knows? We've also got the three craziest things uh, from this past offseason, the three greatest things from this past offseason. We're going to do a little listener mailbag, and we're going to do a new segment. We're going to see how it goes. It's going to be recommendations from the two of us. We'll see how that goes. Um, I'm sure the comments section will love it. It's gonna be a great episode. Let's rock. Before we get to the podcast here, a bunch of good stuff on PFF and the PFF Podcast Network. There's a bunch of really good podcasts. If you listen to this one, you will also really enjoy Ian's fantasy football podcast, uh, Ian Harditz. Um, it's about that time. So you're going to want to start talking and thinking about your fantasy league. And this guy brings it in terms of a data-driven approach. Um, you just get, you get football. You get all football. It's awesome. I personally listen to it. Um, also, the NFL pod and the 2 for 1 drafts pod, both of them taking different lenses right now on the offseason. So go check both of those out as well. And of course, get yourself a PFF subscription at pff.com to get yourself ready to go. We've got projections, strength of schedule. We've got some win total stuff up there at the win total tracker. Um, so go check it out on pff.com. All right, we were just arguing before this, and I think it's an interesting conversation. So let's go ahead and bring it up. Um, it started, I think, with who has the better chance to win the Super Bowl this year between the Rams and the Vikings. And you kind of spun it a little bit and said, okay, well, let's think back to the 2018 Minnesota Vikings. Aren't the Rams just like that team? Why don't you make that argument? Well, no, you like, so I, I tweeted out this, this thing that had basically like three tiers, which was like the, pro the likelihood that you are elite, the likelihood you're awful, and like somewhere in between. And there was a cluster of teams, I gotta look at the the figure again, that was basically, like I, I looked at the y-axis and I said, look, Cleveland's good now, Washington's good now, the Dolphins, Colts, Titans. These are all teams that have not been have elite. Have never been elite over the, really over the course. Using, using PFF ELO yeah, rating, right. have not been And elite. then there's obviously the group of teams that's clear, and it's, it's because you have a quarterback. It's Patriots, Packers, Chiefs. Broncos have been elite for about 30% of, of the CBA. Uh, Seahawks. Um, and, and like, but then there's teams in the middle that are all clumped in, which is like the LA Rams, the Atlanta Falcons, the Minnesota Vikings, Dallas Cowboys, Philadelphia Eagles. And I said, like, that's like the worst place to be. And you brought, you kind of got after me about the Rams because you think, and the market agrees with you, that the Rams have a chance to win this season. And I just reject it. I reject it offhand. I, I, think, I think the Rams are almost in the same position that a team like Minnesota was in when they assigned, when they signed Kirk Cousins. And, Again, we don't we don't get to simulate that scenario over and over again. Mm -hmm. But the fact of the matter is, like, when you acquire a quarterback who is not in the tier of the teams that I just discussed, he's not Wilson, he's not Brady, yeah. he's not like everything else has to sort of stay fixed, and nothing stays fixed. We we're talking about like Raheem Morris 
is taking over Brandon Staley. And as much as Morris might have helped the, the Falcons be respectable in 2019, he's nowhere close. He's never been that good well, as their a defense, defense Their defense would have regressed with Staley. Here was the point that I was making. I think it's really interesting because if you look at the Super Bowl odds right now on DraftKings Sportsbook, Chiefs plus 525, the Bucks plus 675, the Bills and the Rams are the second and third uh, sorry, third and fourth most likely um, to win the Super Bowl, 13 to one, both of them. Then you have the Ravens and the Packers at 14 to one, um, as well as the Niners, the Browns at 16 to one. And then there's this jump to 25 to one with the Broncos, because they might get Rodgers, the Colts, the Seahawks, and the Cowboys, uh, and the Dolphins. And I made this point a little a while back where it's like, it really does feel like there are two teams at the top. And then in my opinion, I would say after the Chiefs and the Bucks, I would go Bills and Ravens. And I would probably, I would maybe even go Packers Browns before I would get to the Rams. I think the Rams are interestingly in a similar spot as the Niners, where the Rams are hoping for things to go right in terms of, you know, all their players stay healthy, quarterback pops, and they have a great offensive scheme that can, you know, get on a hot streak. And I think the Niners are in that same bucket. You said, what would you make the Rams? Uh, I would Super make Bowl? the Rams 20 to 1. Like, I. And I agree with you. I would put the Niners in that same bucket. Yeah, I mean, and that's like part of like one of the bets we made uh, on Wednesday was the Detroit Lions plus seven and a half in week one. Like just because like for teams like that, like I just have to see it, right? Like there's there's an aspect of what the Rams did last season that was extremely fluky, extremely dependent upon things that like I don't think are all that stable or all that predictive. And there are aspects of what the 49ers are gonna to try to do in 2021 that are speculative. Like we love taking quarterbacks high, but the fact of the matter is they fail all the time. Part of the reason I did this analysis was to encourage teams to fail more. Like my, my point is if you suck, like, I, and I, I tweeted out this transition matrix, if you suck, you're the most, uh, that is the state for which teams leave the most. Yeah. So like, I, to me, like it, it actually, once you get into the basin of eliteness, you leave less than any other state. I'll, I'll bring this to real life. I actually think like, I think this happens with everyone all over the place in real life. People would rather be comfortable in mediocrity and fight to stay in mediocrity than take risks that push them back to the brink of extinction, yeah. but give them a chance to be great one day. Um, and I think I agree with you 100%, right? All those teams that you mentioned, the Jaguars, the Browns, the Jets, the football team to a slightly lesser degree because their quarterback is in peril. The Brown, uh, sorry, the Bills are a team I'd put in there yeah. as well. All have a lot of hope. And the hope stems from the fact that they were able to take a quarterback really high. They've accumulated a ton of draft picks. Now, Jaguars use one of them on a running back. So like, you know, yeah, we'll see but, how that goes. But um, let, let me ask you this question. Where would you draw the line in terms of teams that could win the Super Bowl? Like you're saying, oh, I don't think the Rams have a chance to win the Super Bowl. Okay. I think they, they have, do. They have a chance to win the Super yeah. Bowl. Is it, where would you draw the line of like, I could see this team hoisting the Lombardi trophy and I wouldn't be completely shocked to shit? Uh... So let's, let's list them off. Yeah. Chiefs, Bucks, absolutely. Uh, Bills, yes. Ravens. Ravens, Browns. Browns, um, Packers. Packers, yes, of course. Okay. If they so, keep Rodgers around. Yeah. Okay. 
Now it's it's a there's a bit of a gray area. I would say the Broncos if you get Rodgers, absolutely, right? Yeah, I okay. well, that's the thing. So like you're bringing up a good point here, which is that middle part is is a bunch of unbettable team. Mm-hmm. It, it's sort of like when we talked about who to bet on for offensive rookie of the year and MVP and all that. It's like that middle tier is not worth betting at all because because they're they're the people are pushing them to the up exactly. to make their like, middle. I would tier. rather look after the teams you're describing, and I'd even think about the Niners, but the fourteen to one is not nearly enough of a payoff for oh, me no. to bet it. After that, I'm going all the way to the bottom, and yes. I'm looking at I'm looking at Raiders. I like like you're talking about betting exactly. Yeah, yeah. If I'm betting, if I'm betting to win the Super Bowl. I'm going. I'm. Oh, but sorry to interrupt again. My favorite one is is Bears fifty to one. Exactly. Like, but after that, like, I'm basically letting. I'm basically taking that middle and saying, if you if one of you schmuck bags win the Super Bowl, it's that's on that, that's on call, me. Did you say like, schmuck bag? Like Tennessee. Like, what the fuck is Tennessee doing? <laughs> right. Like, you gut your whole defense. You sign Tannehill to a big deal, <laughs> and you don't retain any of his weapons or his offensive line. Yeah. And, and like, what the like, what are you doing here? The Minnesota Vikings, same fucking thing. You sign Patrick Peterson to a got ten you million a dollar today, ten million dollar deal, and he is a fucking replacement player last year. You could have got Casey Hayward for half that money. <laughs> and like those teams, I don't even know what they're doing here. But then if you get past that, like I kind of like what Chicago's doing. I kind of like what the Giants are doing. I kind of like, I actually like Throw as a long shot there. because people hate them. I actually like the Raiders. Like Derek Carr was the seventh most valuable player in the NFL last year. And everybody's overlooking him. I it, like to me, that's the problem with the Rams. That's the peril with the Rams is like, you're making a gamble, and this was, I think it was Kevin Cole who tweeted this out about Sam Darnold, but I think the analysis sort of holds for Stafford too. Once you have a bunch of information on a player, the the confidence intervals get narrow. Yep. Like, we know, we know a lot about Stafford, and essentially what McVay and company are saying is either one of two things. The first thing is, Look, his entire sample from Detroit is non-representative of what he's going to be here, mm-hmm. which I find dubious. Or we are so good as a team. This is the bet the Vikings made with Cousins. We're so good as a team that we're going to all we need is a 6 or 7 out of 10 at the QB yeah. position. And I think that that if the guy's a 6 or 7 out of 10 on a rookie deal, absolutely. If he's on one of these veteran deals, good fucking luck. I Okay, I have two points to make. I want to keep going with the list of teams we could see winning it because I have a sneaky one here. Um, here's what I'll say about the Rams versus the 2018 Vikings. I don't think on average, and, and the data backs this up, that Matt Stafford is better than Kirk Cousins. Okay, PFF grade-wise, production-wise. Here's the difference, and I think this is the difference McVay is banking on as well, is that this guy doesn't suck as a leader. And if they're in the, if they're in the playoffs, he won't crumble. He will be. He could rise to the occasion and be his best. Now, his best might still be the seventh best quarterback in the NFL, but that's better than what Goff was getting to in the playoffs, right? Okay. The other thing I'll say about that is Matt Stafford is probably like if you got if you got the positively graded throw rate 
part of him, right? And you look at it and you go, this guy can make those throws when they're available. And he's never had, remember past couple of years, right? When they went to a heavy play action offense, he was top five in positively graded throws every year. And you go, okay, my offense is going to give him more of those opportunities. I know he can make those. That's the difference. The other thing with the Rams is they have two players in Ramsey and Donald who are better than any players that the um, Minnesota, Minnesota Vikings had. And I'll say the last thing here is the offensive scheme is also better um, than them. Okay. Would you put the Niners in the list of teams that wouldn't totally shock you to shit if they won the Super Bowl? Yeah, I put them in. Okay. I, my thing is, is I'm more, well, I I don't like the quarterback they chose, but I'm happy they took a, I'm happy they took a quarterback who has some upside. Yeah, I I think the it, it it's really going to depend upon how they continue to build this roster without first round picks in the future, but. Okay, let's Long keep... term, I'm, I'm not in, I, I don't hate their direction. Let's keep team. going. The Colts. No, Wentz sucks. I agree. Um, the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah. Okay. Here's the one that, here's, I think, where I draw the line. The Dallas Cowboys. I could see them winning the Super Bowl. It would not shock me if they won the Super Bowl. That offense could be amazing. The defense could be decent. Would you agree? Yeah. No, I think I think that's a team. Yeah, that's a team that is sneaky that everybody's uh, you know fading after last season. But yeah, they're twenty eight to one. Now I'm not sure I would bet twenty eight to one. I think that's where I draw the line. The next tier of, of teams would be the Dolphins, the Saints, the Patriots, the Chargers, the Cardinals, and the Vikings. Those feel to me like they're in the like twenty eight to thirty five to forty to one range. The one, no, the, thank you. The one that could is Arizona, but they. They would require the rest of the division to fall off, mm-hmm. Kyler to become amazing in year three, yeah. and Cliff to become amazing in year three, which is a lot to have happen. It's a lot to ask for. Yeah. Okay. That was a nice little diatribe. Um, this is how I really wanted to start the podcast, which is um, your, your lack of desire to impress me on the podcast is really, it's hurtful. Impress you? What do you mean? You know... Ev- Whenever I come into the studio, I put decent clothes on. Oh, sorry. I do my hair. You know, I put deodorant on. I put deodorant on. Put I'll a little that. cologne on. You know, I'm wearing like, you know, clothing. I see you on another podcast, the Lindsay Rhodes Show, this week. You've got a collared shirt on. You've got a sweater over the top. You've done your w- hair. The first time in, in history that your computer is at eye level. <laughs> That's the part that honestly offended me the most because we'll do we'll do the remote <laughs> podcast and you're down here staring down. Yeah, at, yeah. And so I just want to know, man, like, what do I have to do to to get you to, you know, well, usually try it's just a like, little bit. Is that we've gotten part of our relationship. You, should not, you don't feel like I you have to try I, anymore. I, look, I've dressed <laughs> up when we were in Vegas a few times. I wore, I wore, by the way, come and get a sweat tailor. I wore sweat tailor pants. I wore sweat tailor attire. We, we we're gonna call that snack tailor. Snack tailor. It was snack definitely there was sure. definitely a lot of snack um, tailor going on. What was my, so Monday? I got back from Vegas at six a.m. and like just like legit took a nap for like a few hours and then got up and did that show. But like I so here's the thing. Oh my I'm god! Tr- so that was after a red eye flight. Mm-hmm. You looked I think better. I overcompensated. You looked better on that show after a red eye flight than, than after a glorious week of rest and relaxation. Now 
I mean, where'd you? This sweatshirt is from like 1994. I think I got this one like early in my days at PFF. I'll, I'll say this: my I'm trying to decide because like you know your love language is working out, uh-huh. right? More less so than like nice clothes. I, I'm trying. So I just got back from the gym. I showed you I was pushing the sled. I was, you know, rooing. To be fair, the picture you showed me of the sled, it was standing. It was in one place. I don't have actual you don't evidence have, yeah, that you, you don't have evidence it. that I, yeah. that, that, I uh, that I actually pushed it. No, I mean. Uh, so you're blaming this on working out. No, I'm not. No, I'm okay. not. I'm just saying noted. You know, my wife were moving to a different house okay. and, and I was moving stuff. And then I was like, hey, I got to catch a workout. Okay. And then I got here. And then there's also like the Saturday, the Sunday podcast. This sort of has like this, like uh, this casual feel okay. to it. All right. I feel like I feel like the shows. And granted, like when I go on Vison at twelve o'clock a.m. Yeah. Like I'm looking like this too. Like okay. it. Like you know that that was a, a that was a, a day where I was like, oh my god, I'm like I'm on two. And I think I even like there were a couple things I said on that show where I'm like, Jesus, Eric, you were you need to get more sleep. You know, so I, I might have overcompensated. You were overcompensating. Okay. Yeah. Still still heartbroken and hurt, to be fair. Okay. <laughs> just just to be just be. I, it, it it was all yeah, you did you didn't know you oh, didn't message a, me. It's a Sunday podcast. I You look great. I tried to clean I, up. I think it's because you're going to the FC Cincinnati game that's, right across the street after that's definitely. <laughs> you have why. to look good to go to soccer games, apparently. You know, yeah. I will we're gonna do recommendations at the end. Before we get there, I will note I always bag on Cincinnati food. Okay. It's not good. But, um, and if you want to, you want to debate me on that, you're going to lose. I won't even deign the conversation. I went to a place, uh, that makes tacos. They weren't bad. You're talking about Mazunta? No. So Mazunta is good. I did not, I'm not, it's not good enough to get me to go back there. <laughs> um, this place, okay, cause it's a hike, you know, it's out there. Um, it's not that good. This place did birria tacos. It's in Cincinnati. It's called Bar Seso and they were pretty good. I'll go back. And it's kind of a walk for me. So there you go. Margarita is not too terrible. Uh, they ran out of guacamole. It's a little, tiny little truck, so you kind of got to get there sort of early. Um, do you know what a birria taco is? No. It's like, you know, most tacos, um, you know, the, the, what's the best way to describe it? You just get the tortilla and then, you know, the stuff's kind of laid on top of it. Birria tacos, they put the meat in there, they put cheese in there, and then they, put it in the tortilla and then they fry it so it's kind of like a crispy um all together tortilla and you dip it in uh in a sauce you should check it we'll, t- we'll go there okay okay i um yeah i'm trying to figure out like going to vegas like you do have great tastes uh in and out burger i feel like it was good when we had it you by the way the funniest thing in vegas was them denying you access to a a, a a blackjack table because your ID was like expired and you went and like, this is like, this is how I know you have comfort food because you went immediately to in and out burger. <laughs> like while we donked a few hundred dollars at the table and then went and walked. Um, but, uh, but it was good. I, my thing with in and out burger is I feel like there's like this secret menu that like the us, us, uh, normies don't have access to and so then i don't always feel like whereas like momofuku like it's good no matter what like yeah. you order straight off the menu whereas i feel like with in and out 
it, it has to it, it is uh it, there's a little bit of secretiveness to get the most yeah, value i agree I, if it i don't use if i don't get animal style and add chopped chilies to my uh burger it's i won't it's not even edible um by the way momofuku best things i had there if you're in vegas go to momofuku it's at the cosmo the uni pasta absolutely sensational the steak sensational pork buns awesome uh all the ramens are very good and they had a candied prawns and lobster on there that uh, it was kind of expensive but uh it feeds like three people so i'd get those okay people are tired now there's going to be a little comment there that says like 12 to 15 minute 12 to 15 don't listen because the guys don't talk about football we'll get back to football craziest stories we're going to do our three craziest stories from uh the off season you can go first okay I actually think that this has become I don't think we appreciated how crazy this was upon first blush the Jaguar signing Urban Meyer to be their head coach has to be thought of as one of the crazier ones um yeah I mean I it's nuts what what was the what's the thing because I always try and imagine the interviews with the owner what do you think it was about Urban Meyer, where Shad Khan was like, this is the guy I need. I think it was just different. Like, I think it was just something different, right? And the interesting thing here, I, I wrote about this, going back to the whole, like, um, going back to the whole, like, do you want to be elite? Do you want to be not elite? Like, one thing about the Jaguars have spent the most time being bad over the last decade as any team. They've basically had continuity at head coach. They're mm -hmm. Gus Bradley from third. I mean, 13 or 14, and then all the way to Doug Marone. Mm -hmm. And Doug Marone basically ran out the string. Like, don't you think there's a little bit of needing to change the coach a little bit? Like, I think that they wanted to make a huge splash here, um, and, and that's, you know, um, yeah. It's super interesting because I, I think what they were – I think they – so the way I viewed it was – they have a ton of young players. They're going to have a ton of young players. And Shad Khan looked at it and was like, the coaches that I've had have been old school. I actually don't mind Doug Marone. You know, I don't think he was the greatest coach ever. But um, we need someone that is going to have energy and ability to relate to those young players. And to me, that's the way that coaching in the NFL is moving. It used to be very much of like experience authoritarian like this guy's going to come in and rule the roost and that's just not how it works today like players are more powerful they have way more control over everything as they should and you need a coach that's going to get them on the same page it's going to leverage understand what they what drives them how to get you know how to communicate with them in a way that actually matters um and so to me shad khan saw that in urban meyer because he had been so successful in college and that was a big driving force there. What's going to be so interesting to me is how his offense looks in the NFL. Like, I'm just fascinated to see that. I feel like that's as big. There might be, there are a lot of high variance plays right now in the NFL, like at quarterback and stuff like mm -hmm. that. There's probably not a bigger high variance play at, at coach. Right. And, and yeah, you, the point you make about players having more, um, players having more like, um, you know, power is essentially like makes this higher. Maybe it depends, right? Because like Pete Carroll came from college, and from all accounts, he's a great coach mm -hmm. 
for players. Like he's mm-hmm. a players coach. People like him. Yep. People want to go there and play for him. Um, they've players have dealt with what I would consider schematic it's shortcomings just- <laughs> in order to to mess with him. Um, there would would Meyer do that? Because I I do think there's some there's some legit aspects of what the Jaguars are doing. Like I think Daryl Bevel's a legit offensive coordinator. Um, you know, they, they just added, you know, Eugene Shen, who used to work for the Dolphins in analytics. They mm-hmm. had Kareem uh, Kasim, who used to work for the Steelers. They, they're, they're aspects of that team that I think are legitimate, but then there's the sideshow of like hiring the racist strength coach and firing him one day later and, and Tim, Tim Tebow, Tebow and yeah. all this stuff that like drafting Travis Etienne, dra- at drafting 25. Travis Etienne and then playing him at X receiver. Yeah. Okay, my first one is <laughs> Mac Jones being the favorite to go third overall almost immediately after the 49ers traded uh, up to number three with the Miami Dolphins. The thing in hindsight that is astounding about it was that no one knew and no one should have known, and yet people hook, line, and sinker bought into a media narrative that was based solely on the fact that Kyle Shanahan had taken mediocre quarterbacks and made them above average. It was, uh, looking back on it, it is absolutely hysterical. I mean, it's hysterical. And um, I thought that was one of the craziest things that happened this offseason. Do you think that the Mac Jones stuff, do you think it was completely made up? Do you think like Michael Lombardi completely made it up and then basically, like guys like Michael Lombardi made it up and then we all ran with it and set and attributed it to because it sounds like that's not the case it does because to me if i'm the niners and i like lance and i'm self-aware enough to know how many how much people like fields i might throw mac jones's name out there so that everybody's freaking relieved when i take trey lance because that's how we all felt and no one except for i think me like it's like what are like the downsides to taking lance over fields are actually is actually pretty immense i think I don't. I do not think that they threw Mac Jones' name out there as a smokescreen to make people happier about Lance. I don't. Um, that's like that's attributing way too much like thought to the process. I think they were focusing on trying to figure out who they were going to take. Do I think that he had no shot to go third overall? No, absolutely not. I think it was patently ridiculous for people to believe that he was an overwhelming favorite. Here's my take on it. We. We know people in the league, okay? You know people at the Niners. And um, they told, they said, look, no one knows. It's, Kyle Shanahan is not over here telling people like what we're gonna do, you know? That's just not how it works. And I think people got really excited about hearing from sources at teams that people liked Mac Jones or that scout X or Y in the Niners organization watched some Mac Jones film and really liked him. And then I think that spread a little bit and people love to be, they love to sound like they know what they're talking about. And so I think that's how you end up with sources saying, oh yeah, the Niners are going to take Mac Jones. Um, Yeah, because it ultimately ended up being such that like Mac Jones almost didn't even go under his original, his original prop, which is absurd. Um, Imagine if you bet the farm on that, you thought you had such incredible closing line value, and then and then you're sweating that out, may, may, hoping the Patriots take him. It sort of shows, you know, some of these numbers, up, you know, upon initial like 
offering are good. Like, yeah. and, and especially with the, like what people were moving numbers on, like we were, we had Silva on here and like the number for first defensive lineman changed while he was talking. Um, certainly something to, to consider with, with next year's draft. Do you think people in next year's draft are going to be, when it comes to betting markets, are going to be less likely to take seriously the I, the musings of the Adam Schefters and the Ian Rappaports and the Michael Silver? Like, Michael Silver went like on, like, a 10-tweet screed about, about how it's Mac Jones. Like, you know. It's interesting because I, I think Schefter, it's like, Schefter to me is on a different level of getting things right, you know? Like he's the number one guy, right? So if Schefter says something that he doesn't feel confident about, like yeah. then he knows he knows he's open to, you know, huge criticism. And I'm trying to go back and think about where Schefter, you know, where was he getting his information from that he felt really strongly about? And the the thought process is that he's very close with the Shanahan's and then it was Mike Shanahan. And that to me is really fascinating um, because that that lends some credence to your point, which was like, was Mike Shanahan just going like, yeah, I don't know, you yeah, know, whatever, exactly. I mean, you know, and like, um, I, that's what's so fascinating. I would love to sit down with, with Schefter and talk about that at some point. Maybe we can get him on the show. Um, I, was, I actually had a question here because this was, I was thinking about the quarterbacks who went, you know, one, two, three, I was thinking about Lawrence again. Right now, would you rather have Joe Burrow or Trevor Lawrence? Trevor Lawrence is more talented, I think. Burrow, Burrow has it, you know, from a, I think people like him. I think he's older, you know, that's another thing. His arm is, isn't quite as good. Um, he's got a lot of moxie, but we don't know, like, Gardner Minshew had moxie too. Like, we just don't know. Like, and the other thing is, is like, we have some data. Like, the, as data comes in, like, I'm just going to prefer the guy with, the prospect, right? Because, mm -hmm. like, I just think the tail is fatter for those mm -hmm. guys. Like, that's so yeah, I would trying take to hit. You're trying to hit top five. Yeah, that, knowing more so that he has a better chance to be top twelve doesn't is not what you're looking for. The thing there, though, I love Joe Burrow's personality and and everything about what you've heard, the way that he prepares and works, and all that stuff. I love that. So it makes it much closer for me. I think. I think I would buy like a hair go Trevor Lawrence. What about Kyler Murray? Oh, I'd take both those guys over Murray. At this over point. Murray? Yeah, I mean, because you, you already have seen Murray. You've seen some of the things you're worried about, which is injuries. You, you've seen the good, but you've also seen how far the good can take you, which is eight and eight so far. Um, I, you know, I like him as a player, but like you're probably thinking Murray tops out at top eight which, like, I think we've just gone on this long rant about how that might not be enough. Yeah. I don't know. I could see Murray turning it on this year. Here's one more uh, draft year to year. J uh, Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase? Jefferson. Really? Yeah. Like, I, Jefferson already a 1,400-yard receiver. Like, Chase, plus there's the bust rate for wide receiver. And the fact of the matter is, like, wide receiver's different than quarterback. Like, I need, I need my, like, Jefferson's fairly, I'm fairly confident he's going to be a top, you know, he's going to be an 8 out of 10, which, like, I want my quarterback to be 9 or 10 out of 10. I, my wide receiver, like, I need to, him to just be, like, 
solid or better. We don't even know that Chase is going to be solid, you know, and we don't need him to be a 10 to, to have success, right? It's a different position. Like I'm willing to sort of like, I'm willing to sort of like, uh, you know, uh, pull in my chips after I know that this thing's won more more quickly with with wide receiver. I'm going to take Jamar Chase, and the reason I'm going to do that is, I, and I, it might not perform as well this year, but that will be because he's the number one guy, and Justin Jefferson got to in an offense that had a wonderful play action scheme, and Adam Thielen got to benefit from that. Yeah, I think yeah. I, I just. I love Jamar Chase. Thielen, I Thielen got 13 touchdowns last year on the other side of that uh, yeah. arrangement. Okay, we're really uh, we're moving really quickly as we normally do. Your next crazy story. I think it's we. I think it's crazy that the Philadelphia Eagles fired Doug Peterson. Of all of the issues in Philadelphia, I felt that Peterson was the least among these, and I thought it was like he went along with the tank in Week 17. He, I thought, dealt with the Carson Wentz thing relatively pragmatically. Um, from all accounts, he did a good job of like listening to the you know to the go for it, going for it on fourth down. Mm -hmm. Like I don't think he was a great play caller, but I don't think he was awful. Mm -hmm. And like they didn't hire somebody better than him. So like to me, that was a really strange story. I don't disagree with you. I actually almost put down. Um, hiring Nick Sirianni is one of mine that talk about interviews where you go like what made you hire this person mm -hmm. and I, the only thing I can think of is they're like trying to burn and churn you know mm -hmm. and they're like hey we got to get someone in here let's give him a chance you know and they're like a uh, high variance guy but like man I would have offered Joe I mean I can't imagine Joe Brady would have interviewed worse maybe he didn't want the job but um, I thought that was nuts my next one <laughs> And I just, I think this is fucking crazy. So I'm putting it in here. The Deshaun Watson stuff. Mm -hmm. the, the timeline for the story, the Texans were an absolute travesty of an organization last year. Coach leaves, owner and Easter Bunny and all this stuff is a disaster. Deshaun Watson overcomes, plays amazingly well, top four graded quarterback, um, despite everything else. J.J. Watt leaves, Deshaun Watson says he wants out, and everyone is on the Deshaun Watson side. Where, where Deshaun Watson was going to go, who was going to trade for him, was the number one topic of conversation for so long. And then it turns out he's been DMing like 70-plus massage therapists yeah. over the past, uh, over the, the quarantine, and has been, you know... <laughs> doing yeah, things that's the thing that's the other thing about this that's absurd is the public health issue uh, associated I, with like it's it's mind-boggling uh, it's mind-boggling all while publicly um having a relationship with a, his girlfriend or, or ex-girlfriend now i believe um who by all accounts seems like a really cool girl they have this public relationship he's doing all these great things for everyone he's having an amazing season it turns out that all along he's been asking massage therapists 70 plus to do things that they did not sign up to do and that that crazy 180 i mean it blows my mind and and now it seems like there's a chance that he's going to get off and no pun intended and is going to um, have a chance to play in the NFL again. 
And I actually just saw Peter King say, uh, our friend Peter King, he thinks the Eagles could be a team to trade for him. I want to know how the fuck a guy who has solicited 70 plus massage therapists can walk into a room and lead a team. Because if that guy walked into this room, I would walk out. Yeah. That's banana land to me. He went from savior, can do no wrong, most popular, most sought after quarterback in the NFL, to absolute dirtbag, to now somehow some team's going to take a chance on him again. Blows my mind. And that's my second crazy story. Yeah, that I, there's really no good answer to this, right? Like the, he went from being the most valuable available asset in the entire NFL yes. to a situation where like, it doesn't make sense for any team because of the, because of his actions. I, I believe the accusers and I, and I think, you know, and, and like, a, you know, it's a probabilistic problem for me at one accuser, like I'll still probably like my, my priors to believe, but one minus the probability that they're all lying is probably a pretty, like, it's the birthday problem. It's the birthday problem. At least like the, or, the probability yeah. of the or is pretty fucking big. So, yeah. like, by the way, the birthday problem for those that, that don't know what we're talking about is what number of people do you need in a room to feel confident that two of them or more will have the same birthday? And, uh, right, it's over 50%. Yeah, yeah. And everyone's like, you know, you can't, like, ah, what? It? The key is that the birthday isn't specified. So, like, we don't know which of the, yeah. assuming only one of them has to be right. Yeah. Yeah. Only one of them has to be right for him to be a bad, you know, for this to be bad. And, and I'll just say this. There, if okay, let's say they were all lying, soliciting seventy plus massage therapists on Instagram via DM is it's just bad judgment. Absolutely damning. Yeah, in my opinion, <laughs> there's a judgment issue that make makes you wonder about paying this person that much money in addition to how much you have to give up to acquire him just bring them into yeah. your organization well, especially during a pandemic which we know that there was a there's obviously an issue there okay moving on Aaron Rodgers wanting out of Green Bay to me like and, and I'll I'll out uh one of our mutual friends Luke Stanky messaged me months ago saying the Aaron Rodgers thing is not over this is and I said and that's why I, me I remember I messaged you I'm like what if the Jets traded the second pick for him and you're like oh you know that'd be That'd be amazing, but it's not going to happen, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And then we get here on draft day. We're, we're like, was it the morning of the draft day where we're all yes. like rehearsing? And I, I shout out like. We were walking back. Yeah. Our conversation <laughs> yeah. walking back from. I shout out. Yeah. And Chris is like, you're nuts. Like, this is crazy. And then, you know, obviously there's there's some likes to it. We're going to have Aaron Agler on, I think, Wednesday yes. to discuss uh, the Packers. Um, I, I It's crazy. But look, like the seeds were planted last year at this time. Like mm -hmm. you can't, the, I, out of one side of my mouth, they say draft quarterback, draft quarterbacks, draft quarterbacks. But on the other side, I'm saying, if you're one of these teams that's elite and your quarterback is the reason, which is always the reason, then it's sort of the other side of this, this research, which is just prepare to bottom out when your quarterback retires. Like, don't try to make a bridge because the bridge is always fucking awkward. And there might be the one time, I think this is maybe Green Bay's issue. They played the bridge about as well as anybody's going to. When they went from Rodgers to Favre, and, or Favre to Rodgers, and that was, 
it's still awkward. Because remember, like, remember Favre just like randomly showed up to training camp one day and like stand up, stood on the sideline, made, you know, and they like traded him to the Jets right after, and it was fucking weird. And like even then, that was like the one time it's worked out and it hasn't been awkward. Do you think the Packers like sort of gravitated towards that? Yes, the Favre thing was different because he was like being Brett Favre <laughs> yeah. for like three years. Am I going to come back? Maybe, you know, um, not sure. I, I'm, I'm excited to talk to Aaron about this. I will say this. I do think this is just mismanagement. I do think it's, it's poor management. Um, you have to have, I, I've told this to many people recently. Communication is one of the simplest yet most important things in all functions of life. In, in wherever you work, in whatever relationship you have, bad communication can turn good people in the minds of, of some into villains and can turn a, a decent or a good relationship into a hate relationship. And I think that's what happened here. They didn't communicate about the love thing. They didn't say it. They, they just didn't have good conversations. Right. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is like a, a fucking villain here. I don't think Brian Gutekunst is either. But I think that things exacerbated if because you, of a lack of communication. If you wanted to move, like, I think all of us, especially our friends like, you know, Ben Baldwin, folks who were more on the side of Rodgers had declined. If you thought that he had lost his, a step, you should have just moved on from him at the time. That, because to me, all you're doing when you draft Jordan Love is you're saying to Rodgers, we believe all this criticism of you or we're hedging our bets. And like the quarterback position is just not a position where you hedge bets. Mm -hmm. Like you either you either have it or you don't. Or you, know, you either have a young guy on a rookie deal and you play that or you don't. Mm -hmm. And the problem is they believed clearly what the data was saying which was that he had taken a step back in you know 17 18 and 19 and like the problem is is then he he the best case scenario happens for you which is that he returns to being brilliant and you make the nfc title game again and now you're like you're not better off like you're not better off you're you're in worse situation than you were last year even though he did everything you, you wish the pick would do which is to motivate him to be good like, if you're going to move on from your quarterback, move on from your quarterback. And that's the other thing, like, that might be the issue here with, like, the Garoppolo thing. I don't think, think Garoppolo is going to be great, but the Niners should just move on from him. Like, at this point in time... You mean cut him? Or trade. I mean, but Maybe yeah, cut him is him probably right. what you have to do, right? Yeah. Because because what if Garoppolo plays... Like, it, it's um, San Diego, and this is different because this was pre-CBA, but, like, when San Diego got Rivers and then Drew Brees decided to become a Pro Bowl quarterback... Well, then you have two years of Philip Rivers. You're in year three, and luckily for them, he worked out. But you're in year three without knowing a damn thing about the guy. Yeah, that's fair. My last one is, uh, I'm going to keep this very very short. Teams are still drafting running backs in round one. <laughs> uh, 2021, this past year, Najee Harris, Steelers at 24, Travis Etienne to the Jags, next pick at 25. I'm going to go through these. 2020, the Chiefs took Clyde edwards hilaire at 32. Their offense did not get better. 2019, the Las Vegas Raiders now took Josh Jacobs at 24. They're certainly, you know, they're hanging a banner for that. It's not, it's not helping their their team out. 2018, the Giants took Saquon at two. The Seahawks took Rashad Penny at 27. And the brilliant New England Patriots took Sony Michelle at 31. I still remember people going, well, maybe we need to rethink this because Bill Belichick just took a running back in the first round. Nope. 
none of those players, I mean, Saquon, fantastic, but as you've seen, the Giants <laughs> need much more than a running back there. In 2017, the Jacksonville Jaguars took Leonard Fournette at three. The Panthers took Christian McCaffrey at eight. The interesting thing is the other running backs taken in that draft after the first round, Dalvin Cook, Joe Mixon, Alvin Kamara, Kareem Hunt. <laughs> All very, very good. In 2016, the Dallas Cowboys took Ezekiel Elliott at four. In 2015, the Rams took Todd Gurley at 10. And the Chargers took Melvin Gordon at 15. The way that I would con contextualize this for everyone, Alvin Kamara has been the most valuable running back in terms of average wins above replacement. About a quarter of a win over his time in the league. That ranks 57th combined with wide receivers. Justin Jefferson was three times as valuable in his rookie year as Alvin Kamara has been on average over the course of his time in the NFL. It's not a hate on running backs thing. Alvin Kamara, one of my favorite players in the NFL, but it's patently ridiculous to not understand how much value they derive for your football team. All right, we're gonna do the um, three craziest, three most awesome storylines of the season. Before we do, gotta tell you about all the opportunities over at DraftKings and the DraftKings Sports Book. Um, they're giving you a chance to lower the over-under on a featured playoff game. All players who place a bet on any basketball game will have a hand in lowering the total on the game. So you get in there and 1,500 other players uh, get in there as well, then you're going to have a very easy uh, total. Basically one point, all you got to do is climb that and you just have to use promo code PFF when you sign up to make that happen. And then you're in really great shape because they're going to score more than one point. I can guarantee you that. Especially because the Timberwolves aren't in the playoffs. <laughs> exactly. Um, so go make that happen. They've also got uh, win totals up. They've got division odds up. Um, they've got uh, player futures up. We talked about all those. So go make that bet and then go bet some futures on DraftKings and the DraftKings Sportsbook app. You must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania. Restrictions apply. Max $25 wager, one per customer. Offer ends 523.21. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 100Gambler or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Also got to tell you about Symbol, S-I-M-B-U-L-L. A good friend of ours. Uh, it's basically a stock market for sports. It allows you to trade shares of different teams and earn cash in the form of dividends when those teams win. So it's a perfect time to start accumulating those as you think about win totals for teams. Um, the MLB and NF uh, NBA obviously happening right now. But I think it's a really interesting time to go buy some shares in NFL teams as you think about how many wins they might get, um, what you're going to accumulate there. And of course, as the stock prices of those shares go up or down, you can buy or sell them accordingly. So here's the deal. Use promo code PFF, deposit 10 bucks at symbol, S-I-M-B-U-L-L -L dot app slash PFF and earn a free PFF Edge annual subscription. That's $40 value. You get $10 to get going on your Symbol account. It's a very, very good deal. Go make it happen at Symbol. And now, the storylines you've been waiting for. And yep. now, we can move on to best ones. Let's run through these quickly. Um, yeah, these ones don't necessarily need quite as much. Um, what's your favorite uh, good story? Not that those were bad, but. Yeah, some of the, they were just interesting, right? Yep. Um, I think Tampa Bay bringing back all 22 starters is a fun one because, I'll just briefly say this, they did such a good job with the salary cap, not paying not not paying um, signing bonuses and not mortgaging their future when they weren't good, that when the time comes, like they're doing exactly what we're saying, which is like try to maximize the window right now. Good for them. My uh, One of my favorite stories was the Super Bowl anthem prop. 
Super Bowl anthem, uh, national anthem, opened at under two minutes. No one realized that it was two people singing the national anthem. <laughs> As advocated on this here podcast, you should have gone over. And the final time, I believe, was two minutes and 17 seconds in what was maybe the best part of the whole Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. At least for me. <laughs> well, the Super Bowl, unfortunately, just wasn't that exciting. Yeah. You know, I mean, it wasn't that... We, we've, it been wasn't... So, we've been so conditioned to see close Super Bowls that one that was sort of like... You know, when did when did you see when did you think the game? I thought like maybe midway through the third quarter, I'm just like this fucking game's over. You like you kept thinking there was a chance because it was Mahomes, but it was never that exciting. You know, you were just hoping because it was it was like Steph Curry out there. You know, um, your next one. Um, okay, um, the, <laughs> I'm actually going to be like outing myself here. The Rams moved on from Jared Goff and went in on Matthew Stafford. I feel like. This this again is another example. Look, it's a good good thing that they moved on from golf. Mm-hmm. I think this is going to be another data point in the you're paying a lot for what you think is a sure thing at the QB position, and let's see how it goes. Because I, I I'm skeptical, but I think it's an interesting one. I mean, I think the whole Wentz and golf thing, teams moving on from them, it's shown a light on not paying guys too early. And still, the value of a rookie quarterback. Because both those teams went to Super Bowls, you know? And the, pos- the it's okay to move on from a guy. You can judge those things in different ways. Moving on from the guy separately from how do you replace them. Um, like, here's an interesting one. Like, I, So I think this is fascinating. Remember how the Panthers supposedly were going to give up pick eight for Goff? Yeah. Okay, so say they got pick eight and and the Los Angeles Rams had Justin Fields right now. Yeah. I mean, the Rams would be in a much better place than they because are. Because they'd have they'd have more money. Yep. They'd actually have another future at quarterback, like long term. Safford's not gonna be a long term yeah. future there. They won't be as cap saddled and they probably I uh, maybe didn't have to give up the first round picks. I mean, I don't know what the intricacies of that deal were, but if that deal were on the table and you look back on it now, I mean that's what we're talking about. That's the difference between rebuilding and taking these like big shots in one year where anything can happen. Uh, my second thing that I loved about soft season is the Dolphins way they're building around Tua. So Tua last year, uh, during his the time he starts, it was week eight on, through the 18th most uh, throws to guys in the middle of the field that were open. He was dead last in PFF grade on those throws. Dead fucking. And those are last. those are his passes. Those are his throws. That's yeah. where he dominated at Alabama. He was dead last. So what did they do? They went out and got Will Fuller. Will Fuller was a part of a team that averaged the second most yards per attempt on those types of throws, with obviously with Deshaun Watson. But a speedy guy who's going to be able to stretch the field, get open over the middle of the field. And then Jalen Waddle. Now, if you look at Jalen Waddle, go to the PFF NFL draft guide, you can see where he got open and, or sorry, where he ran routes, middle of the field. I mean, it's just a giant red dot. You're looking at me quizzically. No, yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm stunned at, I'm stunned at that statistic actually. That, that, that Tua was terrible where he like was good at Alabama. Yeah, it was, it was atrocious. Um, it, it shocked me too. I was looking at the data point just to see how frequently he threw there and saw that it was 18th, and I noticed that his grade was garbage. And I was like, oh, shit. 
Uh, I mean, throwing to open players over the middle of the field is a place where people should be good. Yeah. And he was not. Um, so I love that. What's your last one? Um, the Jets appear to be moving in the right direction. Oh, buddy. I'm, I am... I am a Jets bobo this offseason. It's sad. It's hard to watch, honestly. I am. I was big into the Jets getting Watson before we found out he might be a sex offender. And then um, I'm a fan of the, the fact they got Wilson. I think Wilson, you know, if you, if you fail the tank, I think Wilson's a good consolation prize. Mm -hmm. um, I think he's going to be a great quarterback in the NFL. I'm a huge fan of Robert Salah. And I think for the first time they finally got some edge pressure in Carl Lawson. So I think that I think the team is moving in the right direction. Unfortunately for them, the division looks like it's going to be hard. Um, but what you just said about the Dolphins and uh, New England, we've been hard on New England and people have given us emails about it. There's a chance that the Jets could at least compete with Buffalo relatively soon. And, I, and I'd love for that to happen because I think the Jets being good is a good thing for the league. I hope that Zach Wilson fulfills your wildest dreams. <laughs> My wildest dreams. I'm a little nervous. I'm a little nervous for you. Okay, I'm just going to say that. As you should be, I think. A little nervous. Given that he's, uh, you know, he's a rookie quarterback. But he's a little smaller. Again, I've been doing some scouting. Yeah, yeah, you know you how have. I scout, and I'm just a little concerned. You have. I'm a little concerned. He has skinny. Well, did you hug him? No, it has nothing to do with the, the thickness of his shoulders. Okay, good. Um, no, nothing to do with that. How absurd uh, is that? It's absurd. Okay, my last one, I'm lying, I'm bending the rules a little bit because this is going back to the season. But this is one of my favorite stories. Josh Allen was awful. <laughs> he was awful for two years, and he was awesome last year. Yep. And the reason this is a great story, I'm actually going to go back to the Deshaun Watson thing. Deshaun Watson was the young guy that was after Mahomes, that you were taking after Mahomes. There were people out there arguing that they would take him over Mahomes. Now, I'm not saying that. I'm saying there were people. Josh Allen needs to be awesome. He needs to be awesome for the NFL because it's Mahomes. And then the next two guys are Brady and Rodgers, and they're old. Er, old, getting older. Yeah. Josh Allen needs to be great. And if he's great, it's going to be a really fun year. Because otherwise, you're you're depending upon, like, Baker Mayfield. You, you need Baker. You need Lawrence. Dak. You need Kyler. Dak. Like, a lot of guys who are not have not yet touched that level. Josh Allen got there, and I have some, some stats that really make me happy. 2018 to 2019, his first two years in the league, lowest graded quarterback from a clean pocket. In 2020, he was third in PFF passing grade from a clean pocket. In 20, his first two years, he had the third highest rate of uncatchable throws on passes that traveled 10 or more yards downfield. In 2020, he had the seventh lowest uncatchable rate. So he went from third worst to seventh best on those throws. And that, that may not be astounding, but that's a huge, huge change for a guy that was wildly erratic. And he makes so many plays with his legs. He extends plays. He's so fun to watch. I really hope, I really, really hope that there's a few concerning things. He still had the second most turnover-worthy plays last year. Um, you know, Mahomes had a bunch too. So, you know, it's not that concerning. But God, I hope this continues. Mm -hmm. It would be great for the league. And Buffalo is a great... Buffalo is a great uh, fan base, and they deserve, you yeah. know. It'd be um, so sweet. It, and it, I love, I'll say this, I love the way that the Bills brought in Emmanuel Sanders this year. Mm -hmm. 
and Cole Beasley coming back. Literally, like, John Brown wasn't even that big of a weakness last year, and they said, look, we need elite player players at that position, and they went for it. So good for them, and they did a good job, I think, on defense of shoring up some things that they were bad at last year, which is one of them was like rushing the pass or stopping the run, all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, so um, yeah, I like that. I like that answer quite a bit. Thank you. I was really proud of it, and I was excited to – to share it. Okay. Um, we have a couple mailbag questions. Ooh. Um, first one here. I can't remember this guy's name. He DM'd me this because he said uh, it wasn't working. So I'm going to pull up his name here because I feel bad not giving credit where credit is due. Jesse P uh, writes and says, Hey guys, love the pot. I often stay up till 2 a.m. as a UK listener to watch it. He watches us. Despite the fact that you don't, you don't dress up for the podcast, he still watches it. Incredible. Um, <laughs> Always very funny uh, well, and give unique, sharp takes on the sport. Hope you guys had a great time in Vegas. Oh, we thrived. It was fantastic. Yeah. Some of us. In fact, in fact, my recommendation for today is going to be based on Las oh, Vegas. Nice, nice. You're welcome. Yep. My question is, at what point do we see fields fall uh, past Carolina, past Denver, before we start to question whether there's a good reason he fell that we don't know about, e.g. if he had bad, bad processing, um, that really showed up something that really showed up in his interviews feel it feels weird to see uh pff moo uh timo write a piece on how drafts uh draft steals don't really exist and yet you guys praise the bears for taking this qb um, that all teams passed on clearly the nfl was far lower on this prospect than the media slash fans were maybe we should question why he fell and what we might not know rather than assume that he was definitely worthy of going higher maybe i'm just a biased broncos fan trying to rationalize the sertan pick either way um, sorry for the essay. Thank you for your time and keep up the great work. This, this is a good question. This is a good, great, great question. I will say there's a couple of things. I think Timo's research makes intuitive sense. Of course, somebody has to do it in order for yeah. it to be true. Um, but we, we talked about this with, with By the way, recap for people that didn't read it. Cause that's a great piece. Yeah. So, so Timo basically, you know, demonstrated that essentially if you fall in the draft, there is some market signal there, meaning that like fallers in the draft don't overperform their draft position as much as reaches underperform theirs because a reach requires one team to stick their neck out there and make a decision. And that one team is more likely to be wrong than a bunch of teams are more likely to be wrong, right? Mm -hmm. So so it makes sense intuitively, right? Like the, it's a wisdom of the crowds argument. It makes a lot of sense. And it's something that we have said. I mean, I, in 2018, we praise the Los Angeles Chargers for taking Derwin James at like 17 or whatever yeah. it was. And I think both of us you know, sort of, sort of took a step back and said, well, is it really something brilliant they're doing or are they just letting a, a good outcome fall into their lap? Mm -hmm. what, what I'll say, and, and that seems to be borne out in this research. What I will say though about this particular instance is that Chicago had to make a move to actually get fields and in doing so they let leapfrogged minnesota division rival of theirs um you know which which i think was was sharp and moving up for a quarterback is smart like we've found that and, and our friend josh hermsmeyer wrote about that this week is like the, the it's either a trade back or trade up for the most premium position, which is quarterback. So I think the Bears, we, we probably are giving the Bears too much credit because mm -hmm. this, this fell all the way to their lap, but they did make a move of nine picks to go and get him, which is an active thing. 
I thought about this a lot because I've I've had the same internal debate, which is we there are things we do not know about Justin Fields that teams are privy to that could cause him to fall. But I'll say this. The falling is maybe a little too aggressive of a term. Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes went in that same range. Um, you know, Josh Allen went seventh. You know, like there were, it's falling, I think to me, would be more of like the 20s, you know, into mm-hmm. where like Lamar Jackson fell um, than to say this was a fall. So I do believe, I'll say this, I do believe that the NFL teams watched the tape and saw the same things that Mike Renner saw when he watched the tape, the same things that you see in the data when you look at the data, which is, yeah, there are some concerns about how long he holds onto the ball, how much time he, how much he invites pressure on himself. We know those things to be sticky and that's a concern. Now, is it a big enough concern for us to pass on him all the way there? Absolutely not because of how many other things he does. Um, And I also would say this, what leads us to believe that you know, that a few teams who were probably trying really hard to make a case not to take a quarterback maybe picked some nits, you know? Yeah. Because I I don't know how many got – I think the interview process is fascinating, and I would love to do some research on it because I also would push back on the idea that NFL teams are great at identifying good people during interviews well didn't like that's not an easy thing to do well didn't that article about the rams who i I think the rams are rippable in a lot of ways but like there was the thing about them no longer interviewing players in person because it would introduce bias Mm -hmm. like i think that there might be there there's probably tons of bias in the way we i mean i don't know like there's and granted like trey lance went third so like it's not all about like the racial component with quarterbacks but they're there's a racial component sure. with quarterbacks and like there might and and also justin fields is like an extremely confident young man which is again that can be a turn on for a lot of people and it can be a turn off for a lot of people who sort of want you know a, a pl- yeah. players to sort of toe the line there are a number of reasons he could have fallen i think the main one is probably the fact that these teams are not what I described with the Packers. They're way too confident in the quarterback they have. What I said about Rodgers is absolutely false about the teams that have Sam Darnold as their QB, have Teddy Bridgewater as their QB. The fact that the Broncos didn't take him with their natural pick of nine is what, unless they unless they know they're trading for Rodgers, is one of the biggest blunders I've ever seen. Like I, it's unconscionable at this point. Like you just can't, you can't justify it. Next question uh, is a double question from uh, listener Mitchell Davis, who I know is a an avid listener because he he's he's always commenting. I respect it. I appreciate it. Dropping notes in um, in replies and everything like that. So we appreciate this. He has two questions. First is, what do you think of Jags plus six fifty to win the division? I guess now um, he goes best quarterback in the division? Question mark in that division? Yeah. Um. Let me look and see what our simulation has. It's it's already back up on pff.com. This is the updated version. There was an issue with one of our um, uh, schedule files, which I think... So we have the Jacksonville Jaguars winning the division 21% of the time. So that would be yes, a good, good bet. bet. Um, uh, now, you could. it's not good in relation to where you could have gotten it. Yes, but 
you don't let that like and I let that happen to me in Vegas I walked up to the window and got Matt Ryan 75 to 1 and I was intentioning to get uh them uh, the Jags at 12 to 1 they said it's 9 to 1 which yeah. is still a good bet I could get it differently other places so I wouldn't bet at other places but but yeah in, in this situation you'd probably want to take it any all the way down to 4 to 1 um yep his second question, do you guys ever aggregate physical numbers and production numbers to see if there is pre anything predictable going from college to pro? Example, like a quarterback who could throw 65 miles per hour and has a P 85 PFF grade on second reads. Um, if, this you're, is, if you're not a good athlete, like it's going to show up in the data. Yeah, so we do look at the athleticism based on combine slash pro day scores. Oh. Um, what I do think is really interesting about his question here is, you know, when you know, at some point we're going to be able to leverage tracking data on players in college. And I'm very excited for that. You know, that's, there's an untapped potential there, there which, is. you know, I think is going to be very exciting. And we've started doing that on the, you know, NFL side of things, but. Yep, um, there is. And, and there are positions for which it matters more. Edge, we've known this for a long time. I think uh, Justice Mosqueda, a friend of the, yeah. the show has shown that. Other positions, it matters less, like wide receiver, once you reach certain thresholds, like the athleticism doesn't quite it matter as much. Mm. Um, and it's really dependent upon size. And I think a lot of people, you know, and then, you know, with running back, it's very much like your opportunity is dependent upon right. your, your athleticism, but your efficiency isn't so much. And so it, it's interesting. We, I think that was our first year of doing the podcast. We made fun of speed score. That was like, a, oh my you God. Know, that was pretty funny. Um, but speed score did correlate with draft position. Draft position correlates with opportunity, just not efficiency. So that was a, an interesting. Um, like I could, there's a couple things that I could think of here with. So coverage is the first one that comes to mind because that's such a tough thing to to predict. And so that's a place where I would see making that type of data making a lot of headway. Um, the second would be. You know, from a quarterback perspective, I do keep thinking about like throwing motion and stuff like that, and maybe being able to debunk some of the Justin Fields throwing motion is too long. You know, it'll never succeed, kind of thing. Um, I think that would be fascinating. Yeah, yeah. If you if you had something like that, I mean, the the other thing that I think is interesting, and this is where I wrote about this right before the draft, the scouts' notes, right? Mm -hmm. Like the fact of the matter is like that's a treasure trove of data that we are only tangentially using that was the one place where i looked that like justin fields was the worst quarterback among those top mm -hmm. five if you took like dane brugler's notes and said how do words like this translate historically yep. he, that would you know it was it was wilson lawrence which another another example of wilson coming out ahead wilson lawrence um and then it was i believe it was Lance and the Mac Jones. Lance actually had, you know, the highest correlation with some of these like really good achievers like Mahomes and Watson and guys like that. So um, that that is another place to look. I mean, there's tons of places, and I think we're only it's that, an ocean of information from which we're using about a bucket and a half. That's why I am not as pissed about the pick as you are, because I do think that there's because as you said earlier he's more of a prospect than justin fields is oh. we have seen less of him and so therefore the tail i'll use your term i'm the chasing a little fat fatter. tail here okay the tail is fatter look look we just got back from vegas all right we're doing some recommendations the new uh segment of the podcast we're gonna one of the reasons we're doing this is because people think we're very similar and i think this will highlight yeah. how we're different because we're going to give recommendations based on things that we uh do in life I will let you go first. What's your recommendation for the people? 
This is actually a movie I watched the other day um, while I was on the plane. So I can't sleep on airplanes. I don't think you can either. No. The, the, the one thing that you... You also can't work on airplanes or motor I get, vehicles. You I get, get nauseous. However, I power through. I worked the entire trip to Vegas. Look at you. But yeah, I, I, I read, like I prove, so I've, I've proved like 10 of my own theorems before. The first one was actually on an airplane. I got, like that was, I used to like schedule these trips and I used to try to prove theorems on the airplane. This past time though, we're coming back and my flight's at 2 a.m. Eastern to 6. I can't sleep. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to watch this movie. I I hit the um, the the light to like make the oh, uh, flight attendant come to me because I needed the earbuds because they, you know, yeah. normal earbuds don't go in. Look at you. And I wanted to watch this movie for a while. Um, and I finally got to. It was Promising Young Woman, which was fantastic. Uh, it was it was extremely good. It it had sort of everything in it. It had like a dark beginning, a very cute middle, okay. where like there was some romance, and then a very dark ending. Um, I liked it. I thought it was great. I'm not a movie guy, uh, but maybe I'll check it out. Um, my recommendation comes to you straight from Las Vegas. If you are planning a trip to Las Vegas this summer, I have some recommendations for you. Um, the first one we talked about already, which was where to eat in Vegas. And I have a couple things around this. First off, you should ascribe to the one meal a day plan in Vegas. You should bring yourself some breakfast bars and go, you know, maybe eat a, a breakfast bar or two in the morning and then have one meal. And if you're going to go one meal, Momofuku is a great place to go. It's By a little the way, more... that's a tough yarn to spin as we found out with some of our younger colleagues. If you don't eat and you go like, let's say swimming and you're drinking margaritas on an empty stomach in that heat, you might not make yes. it. So you have to be disciplined note when you, that when you have that. Note that I'm not encouraging you to drink on an empty stomach. Yes. I'm encouraging you to bring food that is basically free yes. and to eat it before you go yeah. out. You'll go broke eating like three meals. Yes. Plus you'll, you'll feel bloated. And you'll it, feel like an idiot. Yeah, yeah. Um, and obviously this goes without saying, you drink a lot of water there. <laughs> Um, but it's a one meal a day place. You can get in and out for six bucks, you know, if you need to, um, but one meal a day. Um, the second recommendation I have for Vegas is Stadium Swim is awesome. And while we can't go to a Stadium Swim during the NFL season, so Stadium Swim's at the Circa, uh, Circa Hotel and Sportsbook, and um, it's got this massive screen. It, they can make it show one game, then we can show like six. You can go place bets right there. You can watch from the pool. You can play. Me and AC went, went and played blackjack yep. outside. It was yep. great. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, I would highly recommend it. You should go check that out. Our friend, uh, thank you to our friend uh, Tim Murray for uh, oh yeah, for a little connection. That spot, yeah, a little connection. Um, it's a great place. Those are my two recommendations on Vegas. If you want more, you let me know. I might be back in like a month. I mean, <laughs> who knows? You never know. If they have studio space. Come and get us. Holler at us. <laughs> that was our show. We'll be back on Wednesday. Aaron Nagler and the NFC North. Love you guys. Peace.